Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, good morning. How are you, Every Nation? Good to hear. Um, I'm pretty excited this morning to carry on with our series, our Connection Series. Um, and I, I think if you've been here for the last few weeks, I really want to say a big thank you to everyone that has taught um, already in the series, because I've just felt that, and I don't know if you agree with me, that it's each um, person that's taught has been so open uh, and so vulnerable with uh, what they've shared. Um, so if you've missed any of the, of the sermons, just go back. Uh, the Dlaminis kicked us off. Uh, Knox and Langer, classic uh, sermon, uh, I'm Surrounded by Idiots. Uh, calling us back to living graciously and uh, bearing with one another. So already in that sermon, a lot of challenge for all of us. Thanks, Knox, and where Langer is today. Um, soccer, yeah. <laughs> and then Sobs, Bra Sobs, is he here today? No. Online. A good friend of mine, Sobs. <laughs> um, he hasn't isolated me or terminated me or any of the other things that he spoke about. So he spoke about friendships and the tricky nuance of friendships. Um, so really a, a great sermon, a very entertaining sermon at the same time. And then Sandile Trish and Makosi last week. We weren't here, but um, um, Tones and I watched it last night. Um, so thank you for, just thank you for sharing so openly and vulnerably. Um, this, this morning, we're speaking about marriage. And when I say we, my wife and I are going to speak about it. So I'm just going to set some context before we do. It's going to be my wife's first time teaching at, at Every Nation. So, um, and then next week, we've got Wayne Ol talking about singleness. So um, if you are single here today, don't check out. Because you'll hear a good sermon from Wayne next week. And then you can apply a sermon next year. All right. Um, I, just in thinking about the series, we, we, you know that I do a lot of work in the corporate space and in the leadership space, and we have this uh, sentence that we use. It comes from this thing called complexity theory, which sounds all fancy, but all it says is that the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our relationships. And it's so true how when we get into it and we start talking to people about it, relationships play such a big role in how we live our lives and in our emotional lives and in the quality of our lives. And we talk about the fact that we've got a relationship with ourselves. we've got a relationship with, you know, the people around us, friends and family and colleagues and um, our social structures. And then we've also got a relationship with the macro structure, with our government, with politics, and obviously with God. Um, but so much of, of, of how we navigate this life is through relationships. And I, I think you all know that when we do have relational difficulty and relational tension and conflict, how much it takes away from us how much time, how much energy, how much thoughts, you know, and then the things like resentment and frustration and anger start to creep in. And those are all counter emotions to the emotions that God wants us to feel. And so our faith is founded on relationship. If you go right back to the beginning of the word, it's built on God creating the world and putting us in it to be in relationship with us. And then we mess that up. And so then he sends his son to die on the cross so that we can be in relationship with him. And then guess what happens at the end? We live in relationship with Him in heaven. So this whole thread is relationship. God's mandate is really just around relationships. He loves relationships. And He wants to be in relationship with us. Um, and so obviously, if relationships is a big deal to God, if unity is a big deal to God, if connection is a big deal to God, then what's the main thing on the devil's agenda? Disunity, division, 
separation. You know, the, 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 the word for the devil, diablos, you know, slanderer, just false accusation, all the stuff that we so often partner with that we're called not to. And so that's the war that we're in, is this God who calls us into unity and connection and the devil who works to bring disunity and division uh, and separation into our lives. And so that's why this series that we've spoken through over the last three weeks and today and next week is not a self-help series on how to have better relationships. This is deeply spiritual. Relationships are deeply spiritual. It's exceptionally significant to both how you experience life, how you experience faith, um, and so take it, take it very seriously um, as, we, as we move forward uh, into, into the next set of, of, of sermons. And so, Father, I just want to pray this morning over all the relationships in this church, married relationships, friendships, um, professional relationships, and people's relationships with themselves, their relationships with you, Father God. And then this morning, as we continue the series, Lord God, we just pray for liberation in that space uh, where there is disunity, where there is division, where there is conflict and tension. We just pray for freedom there, Father God. We pray for um, forgiveness, Lord. We pray for your grace, for your mercy. Um, and this week, Lord God, where there's been extended periods of conflict between people in this church and others, I pray for, for redemption to come into that space now, Lord God. Where people have been carrying emotional hurts, uh, where people have been carrying pain over broken relationships, I pray for restoration in those spaces. In, in, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, this week, Father God, um, that we may walk expectant to, to live in, in, in healthy relationship with those around us, Father. Thank you that you modeled this, that you created it, and that you give us the blueprint for it as well, Father God, so we don't have to, to, to walk blindly into this, but you actually give us the tools that we need and the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, to live in the way that you've asked us to live, Father. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Is this Michael Rauch? Shall I carry on with it? All good. So before Tones joins me, I just wanted to create a bit of a vision for marriage, um, and then Tones and I are going to talk practically into, into some of the hows. But before I do, if you're married, if you're a married couple, or if you represent a married couple and you're here on your own today, why don't you just stand? So we have one married couple, two married couples, three, four. Hey, isn't JR such a, a good uh, indication of what happens to a man's brain just after he gets married, eh? <laughs> for a while there, I was like, I, I don't know if he remembers his wife's name. He's like... This is, um, this is, um... all right, so here's all the married cops. If you're married for less than a, a, a year, you can sit down, less than a year. Oh, all the honeymoon couples. <laughs> married for less than two? Okay, married for less than five years. Married for less than 10 years? Less than 14 years? Less than 17 years? Yo, less than 20 years? Oh, less than 25 years. Woo. All right, less than 30 years. Still standing. How many years? 49. 42. 45, that's amazing. Quite a thing to celebrate that. So well done to, to the three of you uh, and to all the couples. That's, 
something that we aspire to. And I, I also, I do that because I'm talking about marriage because I'm very aware of the fact that my wife and I will be married for 14 years this year. We're going to be sharing from, we're going to be sharing from our own experience of marriage. But the beautiful thing is in this room, we've got people who've been married for 30 more years than us. Um, and as young married couples, tap into them, ask them around, have dinner with them, pick their brains. Talk about the fights, talk about the dark times, talk about the good times, talk about how they got through. Um, let's, let's learn from each other as we strive to be a church that's, has, that protects the sanctity of marriage. Um, in, a, in a world where marriage is fast becoming something that people aren't even really engaging with. So turn with me to Genesis 2, 18 to 24. Um, and it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gives names to all livestock and to the birds of heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed his place with flesh. And the rib that, God, that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We know that in the creation story that everything God creates, he creates and he says it's good. And then he creates man and says it's not good. There's something missing here. And so right in the beginning, we know that God designs the world and puts us into it and puts us straight into relationship, puts us straight into intimacy, puts us straight into partnership. Um, and so right in the beginning of the Bible, we can see God designing marriage, all right, bringing man and woman together in this thing called marriage. And if you get into some of the words in the scripture, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, leave and join, hold, hold fast to, 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 to Adam joining to Eve. It's a picture of deep intimacy. It's a picture of deep connection. And so walking naked and unashamed, it's a, it's a picture of vulnerability. It's a picture of openness. It's a picture of, of just beautiful connection that God created in this context. And that word um, hold fast in verse 24, it's another word for it is cleave. And it's such an incredible picture that, that Adam and Eve, would, that, that man and woman would leave their, their mother's households, their father's households, and cleave together. Another word for cleave is actually to, to almost like be glued together, where two become one. And that, that you know, God designed us so that we can become one flesh. And this leaving and cleaving that God put into the world is one that we will cleave to each other, that we will join to each other in holy matrimony, that we will enter into a covenantal relationship, and that we will join with and glue ourselves to another person for the rest of our lives. And that's the, 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 the picture that he gives us. Um, to work towards, and it's a picture of incredible intimacy, and it's exceptionally, exceptionally significant, and it's exceptionally um, spiritual. In every wedding that I've um, managed to, to, to preside over, I always say to them, no matter the, how long you've been in relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend, now that you're entering into marriage, this moment puts you into a, another season. There's something deeply significant about coming before God and saying, I do and entering into a marriage covenant. It's not a contract that we sign in with each other to say, hey, I hope this goes well. 
Um, and, uh, you know, if it doesn't, we can, we can renegotiate the terms. There's something about the covenantal relationship that Jesus calls us into here, um, and a, a deep, intimate relationship. And that word helper is not there to say that a woman, for example, is weaker than a man and is there to help the man. We know that. It's the one, helper is defined as the one who supplies strength in the area that is lacking in the helped. And in fact, God is described as a helper using the same word, Ezra, in describing God as a helper to Israel. And so not only is it a picture of intimacy, but it is a picture of strengthening. And we'll talk about that a little bit just now. When two become one, you're bringing this combination of gifts and talents and strengths and capability, and you're bringing two of those into one. And so you're bringing two powerfully created creatures into one, which means that you are strengthening as you enter into that oneness. And so vision is a powerful, significant spiritual picture of intimacy that we get to partake in. The gift that God gives us is that we get to live in that unity, live in that vulnerability, live in that openness with the person. So marriage is God's design. Marriage is good. Marriage is a covenant. And marriage strengthens us. That's the gift that God gives us. In Ephesians 5.32, it says, Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great mystery of Christ and His church. So this is a design. We're talking about design and foundations and whatnot, leaning towers of pizza, pizza, right? This is God's design. He designed it with a blueprint. And so if we want to know what it means to enter into marriage and to stay married, then we go to the blueprint, we go to the Word. Because marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty. It wasn't something that we dreamed up as humans. It was the beautiful design of the Almighty. Which is why the devil is going after it. Which is why the devil is going after it. And I really believe that as the church, we've got a role to play and, and, and a mandate to protect the sanctity of how God designed marriage. In a world where marriage has been redesigned, especially by the next generation. And we were away with some people and we were talking about teenagers' approach to relationships. Um, and there's this word, vibing. I don't know if you've heard it, vibing. Um, no, and the, the guy was saying, I was asking my son about girlfriends and whatnot. He says, we don't do that really anymore. We vibe. We just like vibe with each other and then we vibe with someone else and then we you know, vibe with that person. And, and he was saying it's actually quite daunting for him because as a married couple with kids, they not kind of look at us and go, well, that's a little bit weird. It's more about just vibing with each other. And could it be that the next generation are, are, are looking up at us and saying, the idea of a covenantal marriage where you enter into it for the rest of your life, is that outdated? And is it actually just about vibing with each other? And when it doesn't feel good, we, we're going to back off and we're going to go and vibe somewhere else. Because if it's an emotion-driven thing, then of course we know that marriages aren't just happily ever after. But this blueprint says that we push through that. This blueprint says that we stay together in covenant. This blueprint says that we navigate that with God, that we grow in that, and that we, we, we stand the test of time. That's why we celebrate the 45 years. The whole room clapped at that. We, we, we know that that's something that we aspire to, but a lot of people write that off as something that they will never achieve. Well, why not? God gives us the ability to do it. And if we're clapping it, it means that we deem it to be significant. In an article published by Business Tech, 27th of Feb this year, during the period of 2012 to 2021, the highest number of marriages recorded in 2012 
161,102 in this country, and the lowest number in 2020, 89,338. There was a slight increase after them, but the point is that the point of the article is marriage numbers are declining in our country. There were 18,280 completed divorce forms processed in 2021, an increase of 13.1% since 2020. That's 36,000 affected people in that space. The results show that four in 10 divorces, 42% come from marriages that did not spend their 10th wedding anniversary together. And the largest number, 26.6% of divorces, were for marriages that lasted between five and nine years. More than 80% of divorces for men and women were from first-time marriages compared to 10.5 for, for second time and 8.3 for third. Point is, is that marriage is under threat, but it's not outdated. Let's work together in this. And if you're single, it's about preparing yourself. And if you haven't been in a marriage that hasn't lasted, it's about pushing into God's redemptive um, story in that space. And then Genesis 1, 26 verse 28, before I call tones up, the last thing is this. Then it says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them, and God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves on the earth. And so not only is the, the point of marriage deep intimacy and deep vulnerability and deep connection, but the point of marriage is also to be in dominion over the earth and to multiply and to create. Isn't it amazing that God creates the earth, then he creates man and woman, and then in relationship, we have the ability to create a whole nother human. Does it, have you ever thought about that, that we, as a married couple, can choose to create another actual person? In our image. It's very radical. Danae and Sean, it's imminent. They are being fruitful. They're filling the earth <laughs> with many Danae and Shards. But the point is that it's not just about living in unity in a covenant relationship. The strengthening that happens means that you've got a powerful combination which amplifies your ability to create and to rule over and steward the earth. So your marriage is a powerful force in the kingdom of God. And so not only are you chasing after unity, but you're chasing after the creation of new life on earth. And not just new life in terms of offspring, but new life in terms of bringing the kingdom into spaces that need it. Marriages can be the most powerful force. I, I love watching JR and Asipa up here, Wayne and Trish partnering together. In fact, one of the things I love about this church is how much couples are, are, are ministering together. There's something powerful about our ability as, as one flesh to be able to minister as a couple. And so the picture that we're going for here is unity, unity and intimacy and creation and impact. Those are the two things that we are going to chase after when it comes to marriage this morning. And so for um, Tones and I, what we want to speak is, into is the how. How do we chase after unity? How do we chase after creation and impact? And uh, as I said, I hope that some of that adds value. As, as Tones comes up, just some context, we dated for eight years. 
So I met Tony when she was 17, and I was, I think, 20-odd. And um, I taught Tony how to drive. That was very interesting. <laughs> um, went to her matric dance. And um, her 21st, she came to my 21st. So, and then two and a half years of the eight years we spent apart. When Tony's lived in, in London, and I lived in, in the East. And then we got married in 2009. It's been a beautiful baby. I don't know why you got the defensive body language going on, but anyways. Uh, so yeah, 14 years this year. So we're sharing from, 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 uh, from our place. All right. You ready for this? I think he's really scared. <laughs> okay, so the first how, I'll kick it off, and then turns we'll, we'll go next. So the first how is around growing your love. I think if you, if you think about the movies, what's that line that they always use? Rom-coms. I know you all love your rom-coms. It's, it's, all, it's, the same, it's the same narrative, and we just get sucked in every time, you know? He or she messes it up, and then they find each other. It's normally at the airport. She's about to board a plane. He runs down. La, 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 la. Oh, oh, oh. And then it's like happily ever after. Why do we get sucked into that every time? It's like we just can't help ourselves. You're romantics at heart. Even the um, Disney things, you know, Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Happily ever after, happily ever after, happily ever after. Okay, great, but that isn't necessarily the narrative out there. The narrative out there is just maybe love fades. And so we've got to grow our love. And so in order to grow our love, we've got to be intentional about it. So 1 Corinthians 13 is a great place to start, all right? Because it's the, it's the one scripture that gets labeled as like the overused scripture at the marriages, you know? And to the point where, Wayne, I don't know if you're trying to avoid it now, because everyone's going to say, oh, there's a pastor, he's one Corinthians, obvious, you know? Uh, if you watch Wedding Crashes, they take bets on that one and I forget the other one, you know? So, it says, love is patience, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It's a description of love. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no account of wrongs. Love takes no pleasure in evil, rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things, and then it says, love never fails. Love never fails. In other words, love will grow. Love will endure. So this, as we enter into marriage, we enter it out of love, and we enter it into a biblical context, a Christian relationship, which means that we can expect that the love between us will never fail. It will endure. And so if we stand on that platform when we don't feel love, it doesn't mean that love has disappeared because love never fails. So how do we then lean into our love when we feel no love? Well, the beauty about 1 Corinthians 13 is it gives you a description of what love is. And so if you reverse it, if love is waning, well, patience with each other will produce love because love is patience. So patience will produce love. Right? If we don't keep a record of wrongs, not holding each other's past over it, that will produce love. Love is kind. And so when love is waning, kindness will produce love. So sometimes when you don't feel love, you can actually choose to be kind towards your spouse. And in that kindness, it actually has the power to produce love. When you're patient towards each other, it has the ability to produce love. Um, when, you, when, you, when, when, you, when you remove your pride, when you choose not to have envy, when you choose to bear with one another in the season that you're in, 
when you keep no record of wrongs and when you minimize your anger, those things have the power to produce love. And so sometimes your season will be love and butterflies and all of the, the stuff will come from that. And then sometimes love will feel like it's not there. And that's a beautiful opportunity to lean into what love actually is. Demonstrate that to each other and allow that to produce love again. And so your love will ebb and flow. But it will never fail. And you can believe that this morning. Okay. What's next? <laughs> so the next one is really just communicating well and aligning around expectations. And before I talk about um, how you do that, I want to just share a story which some of the, the guys from Men Camp might relate to me on this one. Um, so last week or last weekend, Trav and I went on a trip. We walked through the wild coast and Trav was a big part of organizing that trip. He's done many of those trips um, on the Ponderland before. It was the first time I was able to join him on the adventure. And um, because he had obviously been before, he was very helpful in getting us prepared and packed for the trip. He also sent out a spreadsheet to the group, um, what they needed to pack. Um, and also he detailed out kind of what was happening on each day, like day one, was a 15 kilometer walk from 10 to, to I actually don't even know where we, we walked to. Um, and anyway, so when we set off on this trip, it was very exciting. We started um, early, early on Thursday morning. We were transferred to the beginning um, at Mtentu and we started the journey. And it was an amazing day. The weather was okay. It was a bit sunny, a bit rainy. Um, there was a lot of water and mud. And, but the, the group was going well, a good pace. Um, and right in the beginning, we were walking along. And it's a, yeah, just an incredible stretch of coastland. And Trav pointed out there was a lighthouse. And he said, when we get to that lighthouse, it will be near the end. So we're like, great. Like, okay, we're all heading for the lighthouse. Um, and uh, we carried on, got to about 14 and a half kilometers or 15 kilometers, and we came across this massive big river, and then we had to swim across this massive big river, um, and, um, but like I said, it was about 15 kilometers already, so we thought, oh, okay, well, once we get across this river, we, as he mentioned in the spreadsheet, um, we're going to be nearly there. It's like a little walk in the park now. Um, and we walked. <laughs> we passed the lighthouse, lighthouse and we kept walking. It started pouring with rain. We kept walking. It started getting dark. We kept walking. Finally, we reached the destination at 21 kilometers. So you can imagine how the group responded to Trav that evening when he said that day two walk was going to be eight kilometers. Um, and from then on, him and the guide were very careful what, they, what expectations they laid out. Anyway, I, I share this story because through marriage, we, we walk through many seasons. Um, and it's so important that we... Yeah, when expectations aren't met, well, we, it's to set out expectations because when they aren't met, uh, we tend to harp on about it. Uh, we anticipate that what was said is not going to be delivered on. 
um, like the additional six kilometers is a lot of hard work. But what does that cause in our relationship when the expectations aren't met? It starts to wear down our trust. And trust um, is defined as a firm belief um, in the reliability, the truth, and ability. And our beliefs inform our behaviors. So we've got to just be really careful in how we communicate and align on our expectations. And another thing behind that is to really listen to the need behind expectations that we have on each other. Um, because when you don't understand that need, you don't potentially fulfill that need and you, can, you lose the opportunity to grow together. And uh, yeah, just uh, I find it a critical part of our relationship is that we remain aligned and create the conditions for our relationship to grow. So that's communicating the expectations and to understand the need behind it. And that's how we move towards the picture that Trav was sharing or the vision Trav was sharing. At first, these conversations are awkward in the beginning of marriage. Uh, I won't, uh, yeah, it was, sometimes it felt not relevant. But you quickly see the value in having these conversations and communicating clearly together. Um, and it does cultivate uh, unity. But why I say they're awkward? Because you, when we, we actually, it was stemmed out of a fight plan that our premarital course um, helped us develop, helped us communicate. And through that fight plan, um, we understood the need for communicating expectations. And it's things like, how many nights a week do we, we, we be at home together? I think when you're young and there's invitations to go to dinners and church events, um, we actually had to just have that conversation. How many nights do you want to be at home? How many mornings do you want to go running or surfing? Um, these, these conversations evolve as, you, as commitments increase, like with work, for example, who's going to travel when, um, who's cooking, then kids come into the picture, and um, you say, well, who's exercising on what day? Who's fetching the kids from school? Um, and so these, these conversations continually evolve. So that's why I talk about it being regular um, and consistent. And then another thing is that these conversations need to go to the next level sometimes. They need to be more vulnerable. When you need your alone time, um, you talk about how much intimacy you expect from each other. And so... Um, what I'm, what I'm really trying to express is that it's important to communi communicate expectations and do it well. Okay, sure. We can bounce, Mark. We can bounce as well if you need to. Hello. Um, she, she did enjoy the hike. Um, <laughs> are we doing a, a 10k at men's camp? <laughs> okay, so is it on? Is it on? All right. So the next one is around. Um, and it sounds almost a little bit weird. So I was speaking about two becoming one. This one is about making sure that you lean into cultivating and strengthening your individual identity in Christ. Uh, if you've watched Jerry Maguire, I think I've got a movie of it. It's like that famous line. It says, you complete me. I love you. You complete me. 
Okay, that isn't biblical. <laughs> so, so Tony doesn't complete me, and I don't complete Tony. God completed me when he made me. He completed Tony when he made her. So you don't have two sort of half-broken individuals coming together and finding completion in each other. You have two whole individuals joining and strengthening. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Good time. It's like that for you. My <laughs> heart rate just popped up to 120. So I find this to be extremely liberating that I don't have a wife who needs me. And she doesn't need, so I don't, I, I don't need her and she doesn't need me. Right? But I, she strengthens me and I strengthen her. There's a difference. So, so having her in my life is incredibly significant because she strengthens me. But it's not coming out of a place of, I'm lost without you. You complete me. No, no. So we've got to push into our individual identity. And the more whole that we come into a relationship, the more it protects the relationship from failing. Because it sustains a relationship because you're coming out of, you're receiving identity and love from Christ. And you're giving that and you're receiving it. But at any point where the love isn't coming from here, I don't now fail and fall and flounder because my whole love and my identity and my emotional life is wrapped up in what I get from my spouse. I can stand firm because it comes from God. And when this is rocky, I use that to deal with that. So I can come at it from a place of strength and emotional, uh, emotional strength and out of a place of actual love uh, rather than out of place of not being able to stand on, 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 on a firm foundation. So who's your first love? Jesus, God, mm. right? And then we bring that into to our love. So invest and grow in your individual identity with Christ. A power couple, as we say, right? That's just a couple where the son is a son and a daughter is a daughter and they are powerfully committed to God mm. first mm. before each other. Okay, I think that's it. Okay, then I'm just talking uh, on seeking intimacy with each other. And it's really, I think, off the back of what Trav's saying. I'm just going to read a scripture, Ephesians 5. I'm not sure if we've got it up there. But it says, And out of reverence for Christ, be supportive of each other in love. For wives, this means being devoted to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church, as the savior and reviver of the body. In the same way the church is devoted to Christ, let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ dem demonstrated to his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of pure water of the word of God, and that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him, glorious and radiant, beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. So just, I think we, 
I read that scripture because marriage is, is holy. It's a covenant. It's not a contract and transaction, as Trav mentioned earlier. Um, a covenant is a promise to work together towards a common goal. And that common goal is to, to remain together, um, to sustain together. And it's a holy and sacred commitment to one another, putting the needs of the relationship ahead of your own needs, serving one another as much as Christ has served the church or does serve the church. Intimacy can mean a few things, but ultimately it's closeness to one another, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and it's a gift to one another. And so I encourage you to be generous and be intentional about creating the conditions for intimacy. Um, like setting aside time for one another, communicating expectations, as I mentioned earlier, considering each other's needs, um, continually create these conditions. Um, what we need to bear in mind, though, in terms of intimacy and how we love one another is, I'm sure you're familiar with the love languages, um, and it's important to understand and recognize your partner's needs. Um, so, for example, I am very much, um, my need is quality time, um, and Trav, um, his, his, his love language is words of affirmation, or one of them. And it's important that I remember that because my, my default is to criticize. Um, and that's obviously completely going against his needs. And so we've got to catch ourselves um, in those moments. We've got to catch ourselves um, when, for me, I've got to catch Trav doing well. And I've got to affirm him. And um, it's it's it's. A, uh, sorry, bring the important things to the forefront of your marriage and be genuinely interested in one another. Um, so that's, I, th I think that's able to be cultivated in many ways. Um, like we mentioned, we went on an adventure last week, um, dating one another, giving each other space is um, uh, creating the conditions for intimacy. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to encourage you that continually seek intimacy with each other. And the love languages thing is so important because um, it's quite odd that in a way when you come into marriage, so, so often your, your strengths can flip over into, into weaknesses. So Tones is, is exceptionally pragmatic uh, and can see things very clearly and so is prone to giving input. And that can then come across as, 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 as not being affirming. At the same time, I, I've got a high level of responsibility and I'm very independent and so I've never really needed quality time. I'm happy with being on my own. So I had to learn to lean into that just as she's had to learn to lean into, into that. But if we didn't know that, well, we would have been lost a little bit in the wind. Um, another thing that we do is we, we, we try and go away periodically um, and we, we sit down and we just look through a bunch of categories. So we put our kids, we talk about our children and uh, then we pray for them. And then we talk about our marriage and we pray for our marriage and we talk about our careers and we pray for our marriage. And that, that can sometimes take four or five hours, just sitting in a, a bed and breakfast room or whatever it is, and then we go out for dinner uh, and we drive home the next day. So you've got to put that stuff in your diary, otherwise you don't do it. Um, and especially when kids enter the fall, your life becomes very much around them and you forget about this. Um, so creating the conditions, as Tony said, is, is, is absolutely critical. So we're going to move on to creation and impact now. 
um, which is really about how do we then leverage this unity to make a difference. Um, in Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So as I've already said, we need to invest in our individual calling. So we'll talk just now about praying together and worshiping together. It also makes sense that if that's the case, that as an individual, you're pressing into Christ within the marriage in your own time and in your own space as well. So you have a calling, you have a purpose, and something that God has asked you to do specifically. So whilst there's a collective impact here, there's also an individual impact that aligns with how God created you specifically. How God created us, in terms of what he brought into the mix set, will determine how we make a difference as a collective. Um, but the beauty of our marriage is that we get to encourage each other in that. We get to encourage each other to lean into our calling. And so husbands, we, we should never be ex expecting our, our wife's calling is not to be a wife to you. Or not to be a mother to the children. Right? You're both called to be spouses. You're both called to be parents. You share that responsibility uh, within the household. The primary, the primary commitment is that I believe Tony has a powerful difference to make in the kingdom. And that's her primary calling. And she's called to a specific purpose because of the strength set. So I want to identify those. And I want to make sure that I'm standing behind her. And I'm almost going, get into the kingdom because of what you've got. It's so powerful. You need to be out there. And so what I love about it, I and mean, Tony will share just now, she's been traveling a bit to West Africa recently and, and making a difference there. While I'm at home making lunches and, and getting the kids out of bed and breaking my daughter's heart because I can't do a plat. I've got to figure that out. Um, taking them to school. For me, that's not a picture of, oh, why am I here while she's out there? It's a picture of how incredible is it that I'm here in the house with the girls while my wife's in West Africa making a difference. And then it will swing. It will swing. And then I'm out while she's at home. And then we're out. And that's it. That for me is the most powerful thing. Um, and so we, we want to invest in our, in, our, in our individual calling. At the same time, we want to take steps of faith. Yeah. Okay, so just building on that taking steps of faith, I... Yeah, I just want to share a story around my journey, my personal journey, and how it, it's a personal journey, but we did it together. So over the last six to seven years, I had a real conviction to move out of the, the career path I had stepped into. I was in marketing and product development, and I just, some, for years, actually, it was probably about five years, I'd really, you know, God was moving something inside of me. Um, and I, when I was praying about eventually getting really close to that point of doing something about it, I was praying about it, and God gave me this dream um, because I, I specifically wanted to go into the space of sustainability. And, you know, with sustainability, the, the word conserve is very much linked to environmental sustainability um, and in my dream, there was this word conserve, and the, the N dropped out in the dream, and it said co-serve. And that was absolute confirmation for me to take the step of, of faith to go and study um, sustainability um, and, and what my kind of purpose was in, in this, this space of sustainability. And um, so I, I would commute to Stellenbosch um, to do these studies, and Trav had the faith for me in the times when I didn't feel like I had the faith and courage to do this. 
Um, I was, I'd obviously studied when I finished school, but now this was a completely new space, sphere for me, new people. I was like an, a grown adult um, uh, studying with students. Um, and I remember calling Trav from Stellenbosch one day, and I was in, in the middle of a module on sustainable cities, and I was completely overcome by the Holy Spirit. I don't often cry, but I was just weeping in this module, um, and I knew I, I needed to be there. And I'm not working firmly in what you call sustainability, but that faith step has led me to a place where I am co-serving um, and learning more and more what that looks like with, a, with local and international teams and leaders, um, with the potential to impact um, local resource efficiency, global um, commodities trade uh, between Africa and Europe, global health. Um, and so it might outwardly look, seem like I took that faith step, but it was very much a faith step we took together. Um, there was a lot of uh, sacrifice, um, commitment, and we could never, I could never have done that alone. And so just to remind you that we don't walk alone, we walk together, and we walk with our Heavenly Father. Yeah, and that's the power that marriage has, is that we can create the conditions for each other to step into our faith. And that's, mm. that's, that's, that's the beauty that that moment provided for us. Mm. And that might have meant over the last five years financial sacrifice. Mm. It might have meant a number of things, but... I know that we want to get to the end of our marriage and look back and say we lived in faith together mm. and that was the most important thing to us because it is about the kingdom. Um, and then obviously worshiping and praying together. Um, now I must say, Trish and Wayne, you, you, you two have really modeled this for us unknowingly. Mm. It feels like you, you're constantly praying and worshiping together at all times. Um, <laughs> So Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, and, through a, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tones, Tones and I, I, I think we are incredibly independent people in, in, in one hand. So this is one thing that we've had to ramp up. Yeah. Um, so please don't think we're, we're going home now to pray and worship together. Um, we've had to be a lot of, very intentional about actually pushing in together in, 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 in worship and prayer. We chose Monday nights um, to watch BFC together and then to spend time in pray and prayer together. That was more of a, a formal commitment in the diary. There might have been other times that we, we pushed in um, to, 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 to praying and worshiping together. But the thing about the quarter three strands is those moments allow God just to marinate between you and to weave between you as you hold hands in worship and pray or, or hold each other in worship and pray or stand next to each other in worship and pray. It's just the constant the constant reminder and it's the constant coming back to the fact that your relationship is is wrapped by God. And that cord of three strands, as I said, is not easily broken. And so it softens your heart and it's, it's, it reminds you of what's important. It brings you back to what's actually relevant. It breaks down some of the stuff that just creeps in between you and it breaks down some of the, the stuff that we get wrapped up in the world that really has no real significance when it comes to how we live. And so... As a married couple, we, we've got to worship together. We've got to pray together. We've got to lean in together. We've got to push in together um, because that's just such a, a powerful thing that we um, have got the opportunity to do uh, in relationship with each other. I'm just saying. <laughs> so one. I just um, wanted to speak into serving together. And 
what, what does that mean for the body of Christ? And it means that together we bring more. Um, the picture uh, that will we demonstrate a picture of unity as a married couple. Um, and this edifies the body of Christ as a couple. And there is incredible power of serving together. And I, I, Trav and I, we obviously prepared a little bit independently, but I also just wanted to honor Wayne and Trisha in this moment. And I, I just see how you serve the church and the community by operating in your individual gifts and anointing. But together, you call us to a higher standard. Do something. <laughs> do some stand up. So, um, yeah, just I think it's really important that life does run away with us sometimes. And as Trav said, you've got to be super intentional about crafting our time for one another, as we've spoken about um, uh, in worship and prayer. But serving the church is a very important part of how we edify the body of Christ. And um, sometimes we really got to call out on God to give us the capacity and the wisdom and the clarity and what, where, where to go. Um, and I'm just so grateful for this church. It's given us opportunities to um, serve together. Um, we've, we've been able to um, step into different uh, leadership spaces and really serve there. We've been able to lead an alpha um, group and uh, alpha marriage course. And what that really brings is, is such, a, it's such a joy to us to serve because we're not just, uh, it's not just about giving. It's actually, we've received so much joy in, in serving in those spaces together. Um, and I think that you need to hold that dear because, like I say, with the, the, the busyness and distractions of life, you can easily let life run away with you. Um, and you're missing out on beautiful moments in which you can impart um, in, in, in people and in relationships um, and powerfully. Because remember what I said is that um, together we bring more. Hmm. Awesome. And then to wrap this up, uh, you know, this trip that we went on, um, every time I go down to the pond, I'm just reminded of how raw and rugged and wild, that's why they call it the wild coast. Um, and I, I just want to say, I think adventure as, as part of, a, of how we do marriage is so critical. What I've found with, with, with marriage, and especially as you get into the seasons where you have kids and whatnot, is you can very quickly slip into routines that are the same, and, and it becomes, you know, Friday we eat spaghetti bolognese, and Saturday we watch that thing, and Sunday we go to church, and Monday, and before you know it, you, you, you're living in this uh, technically a rut. It's not that things are bad, but we've got to bring adventure into the way that we do life, and I'm not just talking about going on trips and seeing new things. I'm talking about changing things up, mm. um, doing something different, going to a, a, a different restaurant, um, doing a, doing, serving in a different ministry. Mm. Um, changing up the way that you might do a specific trip, doing something different with your kids. But when you, when you think about it through the lens of adventure, it's like how can we just experience more of the beauty that God has placed in front of us? Mm. And I think for our family, we, we're constantly chasing after how can we experience the dynamic world, the, the dynamic life that, 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 that God has given mm. us? How can we experience it together? How can we bring adventure into our space? Now, sometimes look at young couples especially and go, 
No, when Tones and I got married, we, we said we wanted to spend four years before we had our first child. But in those first four years, we wanted to travel as much as we could. And we didn't go overseas. We traveled in Africa. We went to neighboring countries. We went camping. We did stuff. And it was a case of, while you've got that space, do it. Mm. Um, take, take the time out to, to go and see something different. Uh, put the leave in. It's a sacrifice now. But the point is that when we sit here 14 years after we started our marriage, we can look back and the memories come from the moments of adventure, the risks that we took, the, 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 the courses that we led together, the places that we went together, the moments of difference. You don't necessarily reflect on the ruts. How good, how good were we at that routine? We had nailed that thing. We used to get the kids up at six and we bus 10 to seven. Man, that, those were the most significant and precious moments of our lives. The operational efficiency in the kitchen in the morning to make sure that the lunches were done. That stuff's necessary, but it's not that stuff that, that, that counts, you know. So you want to bring fuel uh, into your lives through, through, through adventure. So please treat marriage as an adventure. Write something. Put a vision board up. Do something that just excites you and, and work towards it. Um, and even invite other couples into that space as well. All right. Is that okay? So we're fighting for unity. And we're fighting for creative impact, uh, creation and impact. And those are just some of the practical things that we felt have really helped us to, mm. to be able to do that. Tap into the other married couples in the room and ask them what's helped them remain unified and what's helped them serve the body and serve mm. the kingdom so powerfully. Mm. Amen. So you would have seen a picture of Mary and Joseph up there earlier, and you're probably wondering um, why that was there. And I actually intentionally left it to just speak about it at the end because um, I think... Um, and I'm not sure how we, we all do this, but I think there needs to be a bit of time of ministry. And, um, yeah, just really reading into the life of Mary and Joseph. Um, I'm not going to read a whole bunch of scriptures, you know, and you can go read them for yourself. Particularly was reading, obviously, the, the Gospels, Matthew, the beginning of Matthew and the beginning of Luke. Um, because in Luke, um, you hear more of about Mary's story. But... Their, their story is a beautiful picture of surrendering to God's will and obedience. And, yeah, I just, I'm like overwhelmed by, I mean, Joseph, he had, he had a few choices that he could make. And he had actually made one that he, um, yeah, that, you know, he would break the, the, the relationship. But God gave him, um, sent him the angel, and he chose Mary. And if he hadn't, she could have been stoned to death. I mean, that is the reality. Um, and what's their story and um, obviously what that means for us is hugely powerful. But what I recognize is that they had prepared hearts um, and that they would never have been able to take those steps of faith as individuals and together without prepared hearts. So just in, in terms of, of space and time to minister together, um, I think it's about preparing hearts. No, why don't you stand with us and we will okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you for 
Firstly, just who you are. You're just really so mindful of your goodness this morning, Lord God. And how your design for our lives is so good, Father God. And that when we lean into your design, we can expect goodness. So I lift up the, 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 the couples that have entered into marriage just recently. And I want to thank you so much that, that they're here and that they're doing it with you and that they're doing it with us. And I thank you so much that there's expectancy around more marriages to come. And I want to thank you so much that there's so much expectancy for the testimonies that will come out of those spaces. And just as I think, as I reflect on the married couples in this church, there's just this eagerness to serve you, Father. It's so incredible, Lord. So I pray protection now over every single relationship in this room. That you will hold them so firmly in the palm of your hands, Father you'll continue to teach them, Lord God, to, to love you and to love each other, and that you will bring more unity into their space, into their home space, and that you'll also teach them what it means to make a, a, an impact for your kingdom. So won't you fall? Where the devil's been working into division, we pray right now that in your spirit. Amen. The devil has no place in the marriages in this church. These church, these marriages are under the authority of Jesus Christ. His blood has been poured out over the marriages in this church. The devil has no place in the marriages in this church. This will be a church where we enter into covenantal relationships with each other, where love never fails.
surrender our hearts, Father. We just want to be completely whole and just completely this morning and let's go have some fellowship time together amen married people i know you got some homework yeah i know you're taking some notes and you're gonna go schedule some adventure and some chats please do that yeah thank you for tuning in for more messages like these and other resources you can visit our website at endurban.org remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon be blessed